Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh, clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Coming at you live, guys, from Nashville. How y'all doing? Oh, man. Okay, that was goofy. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is episode 37, I think, of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast with me, Andrew Maxwell, and Mr. Jacob Myers with the awkward intro. Hey, hey we got to spice up. I want to know how many people laughed, how many people cringe, and how many people stopped listening just now. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see those statistics. Everyone send us an email and tell us. <laughs> um, today on the show... We have uh, Gabe Tandy from North Alabama. He's a 16-year-old YouTuber who runs a pretty awesome YouTube channel. Uh, he does everything himself, self-filming, self-editing, all that good stuff. Uh, really impressive for somebody his age, and uh, we talk a little bit about his YouTube channel. Um, and then we also dive into some deeper topics like uh, hunter recruitment, what gets people his age fired up, uh, good ways to recruit people his age, good ways to retain people his age in hunting, and 
just all, it, it's a good podcast. Um, we had a lot of fun recording it, and it's it was good because Gabe is legit. He's an awesome dude. He's got a bright future ahead of him, and it's it's pretty cool to hear someone his age talk about this stuff. Uh, someone who I think a lot of us can relate to him being as young as he is, like getting into hunting and learning his lessons the hard way, like all of us did. But uh, you got an hour of that coming up. So uh, me and Jacob are going to do a little uh, intro here, I guess. So Jacob, what has been going on in Nashville, Tennessee? Oh man. Um, to be honest, uh, not much, I guess. Uh, again, just staying busy uh with work and then trying to plan out my scouting trip for this weekend uh again guys we're recording this on the 27th which is a friday uh, and this weekend i'm going to be pretty busy uh trying to get out there scouting both public land and some private land uh for this august uh velvet buck hunt uh excited trying to again trying to find a little bit better um non-ag food sources uh, for early season, uh, trying to get away from more people. Uh, as y'all heard in the last episode, last week's episode, uh, I was talking about, you know, I found an absolute ton of ag. And the thing is about ag, you know, it draws everybody's attention to it. I mean, it's just big, bad, you know, everyone can see it. So I'm trying to figure out some, uh, some little, uh, you know, little hidey hole spots uh, off some of that, that is holding deer that, you know, you're going to find a lot more daylight activity. And also when the hunting pressure ramps up during bow season, uh, try to get away from some of those people. So that's my game plan for this weekend. Um, other than that, you know, I haven't been doing a whole bunch this week other than work, man. I've been absolutely busy, 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 busy. But, Andrew, how, how have you been, and uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been pretty slam busy like you have, man. Uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time to get out and do anything, but I finally made time this morning and uh, drove over to Georgia to spend a good half a day scouting because um, I'm buying a Georgia license this year, going to extend my season a little bit. And, man, I found the money spot, I hope. I mean, it it looks good. I'm, I'm dude. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think that uh, September eighth can't get here fast enough. I hear that. Just don't be cashing in your chips before you got them in your hands. But dude, no. No. In all honesty, dude, that spot looks freaking dynamite. Uh, especially what you sent or what you've sent me, and along with what you've already posted on the Instagram story. Which you guys, if y'all aren't following us on Instagram, you're missing out. Uh, that's how you probably keep up to date on us the most. Is uh, we're we're always putting stuff up there on the daily, um, but yeah, Andrew, I think you have a awesome dynamite spot. I'd like for you to talk about it a little bit, kind of give us the scenario of uh, first of all how you found that spot and kind of what makes that area special with that buck bed. Yeah. Okay. So I think that I, I've mentioned this before at some point on the podcast where you know it's been drilled into your head: get as far away from the road as you can. And that's true in some areas, but not in other areas where, you know, people are all way back in there. In this particular area, it was true, and it was a long, long, long walk to get back to where I was, And uh, but it was worth it. And it was kind of cool walking in because there was uh, two different parking areas on this road. I'm not sure why there's two different gates on it, but uh, past the second gate, you know, you could see the, the people signs start to fade. And then you got to a certain point, like a mile in, Pretty much everything was gone, like as far as flagging tape, trash. And I was like, all right, cool, I got it to myself. I go about another half mile, or not, maybe not quite a half mile, and uh, boom, flagging tape. There's people way back in there. I'm like, crap, man. So I, I just keep going, and I work my way all the way to the back of the property, find some decent stuff, find some scrapes, um, find one bed kind of in the open timber, north um set up for a northwest wind uh kind of on the point of a ridge 
up against a uh, a fallen tree. So I was like, okay, that that's encouraging. And so then I start poking into this other area that is literally as far away from the road as you can get. And I start getting in there, and man, sign everywhere. I'm talking like if on the Instagram page, I'll post it up. There's a humongous rub, big giant rub on this tree, which is great. You know, a little buck could have made it, but I don't care. I like big rubs. And um, <laughs> saw like a bunch of scrapes, saw a big gigantic stri- scrape, man. It was like the size of my desk that I'm sitting on right now or sitting next to right now. And the licking branch that, you know how normally they use the end of the licking branch on this one, they're using like the middle of the branch. So there's like leaves coming all down it, except for in the middle. It's, it's weird, but it's pretty cool. But anyways, I keep pushing on and pushing on. And, um, I come up on this big, beautiful, picturesque, flat ridge. Like the top of it's flat and it's nothing but white oaks. It is gorgeous. And it's, they're all loaded with acorns and there's scrapes and there's rubs everywhere. And, I'm like, this might be the spot. But I keep pushing on a little bit farther, and eventually I make it back to where this little marsh area is. And that that's really what I had my eye on the whole time. Um, I get down into that marsh area, and it, it did not take long, dude. I get down there, and boom, I found a Mac Daddy of a buck bed down there, uh, like textbook buck bed. It's, it's down close to the water, probably because of the heat. He's probably down there close to the water. Uh, trying to keep cool during the day, but there's a big fallen pine tree and he's basically walking literally up into the pine tree and there's like a little hole in there that he's bedding in and there's hair all in it and there's a trail coming out of it and there's rubs and scrapes everywhere. So <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm pumped about that. And real quick, I want to say, uh, some people are like, well, how do you know it's a buck bed? Um, it's, it's a deer bed that a buck probably uses more often than does because you'll find, a lot of times, like on top of a ridge, you'll find like three or four beds, like kind of in a circle or and sometimes in like a line or just like all in close proximity to each other. And that's usually uh, does or like a group of deer just bedding down for like a day or they might bed there every other day. And they, they're using like all those eyes to their advantage. This buck bed is like way down by itself, no other beds near it, and it's like tucked up in this thick stuff, and there's a bunch of rubs and scrapes emitting from the bed, so it looks really great. Um, hopefully, 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 dude, I can get on that buck, because uh, there's actually a track coming out of the bed that I also put on the Instagram story, and this track is no joke as wide as my four fingers put together. Like, it is humongous. That's the biggest deer track I've seen in the southeast. Yeah, for everyone that's uh, everyone on here listening right now, Andrew's actually hunting a uh, an elk bed. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be kind of cool. I don't know if the elk have quite made it to that spot yet. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I'm just joking though. But no, that that's that's a pretty cool scenario. I mean, trying to find something like that again. Uh, you, you know, it's it's one of those things when you find enough beds, you kind of understand what what makes for a good buck bed. And then when you find a scenario where, you know, like this is doe bedding groups, like without a doubt, it's one of those things that, you know, the first time you find a couple beds, you really don't understand it until you really start finding uh, some of these beds in these more secluded areas that really set up more so for a animal that's bedding solo. Uh, And that's when you got to think about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's awesome, man. And a great example of that is, you know, I was in Ohio this spring, and I found uh, that really, really, really big buck bed. Uh, he he was bedded, you know, 
you know, kind of like that military crest, that uh, first third of the top, first third off the top of the ridge, uh, just tucked in some some thick stuff, but he was still able to see pretty well. And with the uh, the wind we had, it set it perfectly coming over his back off the top of the ridge. Where I was finding doe beds up on top of the ridge, where it's much more open in uh, in and around a bunch of these big oak trees, and you know you'd find two or three beds at a time. Uh, so so that's one way you can tell. Plus the size of the bed. I mean that, that's the biggest thing I look for is it's got to be a big bed. I mean if that bed is you know, minimum 36 to 40 inches long lengthwise, then you're looking probably closer to either, you know, you're, you're looking towards a, more of a buck bed. Uh, that one I found there, my shotgun, which I don't have it in front of me, but I believe my shotgun's, oh, total probably 42, 44 inches. Uh, my, my shotgun's absolutely massive, and it, it was longer than my shotgun the bed was and just covered in hair. Uh, so that that's kind of what you got to look for, for for a big buck bed. But, Andrew, yeah, you, you've definitely got two dynamite spots we got two dynamite spots down there one in alabama one in georgia uh that are just you know textbook too bad man you do not have a cellular camera uh trail camera because that is the kind of spot man you need to drop one of those bad boys off and just leave it and just yeah, see man. what happens because man I just, oh i wanted to see what he looks like but i got a tree picked out and i think i can get roughly 65 yards from him uh like this is it's i mean any kind of like buck bedding tactics are risky but I, I think I can get in here pretty clean, which I'm, like, by no means, like, an expert or good at it. I'm good at finding them because I just – I've found so many now that, like, after you – like you said, after you start really finding them, it, it becomes a lot easier. And, I mean, it's – there's kind of like a – like a – almost like a science to it, man. They're very predictable where they're going to be. Like, before I went in there, I dropped a, a waypoint on Onyx Maps last night on my computer – of where I was going to go look for a buck bed. And this bed was like 50 yards from where I dropped that pin. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're very predictable when you learn how to find them. Hunting them is the hard part, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, getting in there clean is very difficult, which is why, like, every episode I have, a, like, a new buck bed or a few new buck beds because i got to have a lot of these spots because they're not spots that you go and hunt, like, 10 times in a season, you know? I'm going to hunt each of them, like, maybe twice. Now, I'll tell you what, when you do a little film, a little short film of uh, you versus me on who can hang their stand the quietest. Uh, I will lose. I will lose. Well, dude, then you might want to back up a, you know, another 80 to 100 yards past where you think you need to set up then. You well, def- then I ain't going to see him in daylight. Man, well, you better start practicing. That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, well, that, struggling. I know, I know. But see, that's I, I say that's one good thing. If you're going to use a saddle, that's that's one benefit to you. you got a lot less money yeah. you got to deal with. Yeah. But uh, anyways, rocking the lone wolf for the this fall, which proud to have. Good to use. Uh, anyways, but man, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, sounds like you got a good spot. Again, anyone that was on the Instagram story was able to check that out. Um Again, guys, stay tuned uh, for what we'll be releasing uh, going on this next week. Y'all, make sure y'all follow us on Instagram um, for any of our little stories and everything we're going to be doing. Uh, also, guys, make sure uh, to leave us a review. That's another reason, you know, if, if you're enjoying the podcast and you, you know you're tuning in every week, you know the least y'all can do for us. Actually, it's actually a pretty big deal if y'all can just leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Love seeing y'all's uh, feedback, and it also helps the podcast grow. So uh, feel free to do that. Also, guys, uh, you need to start trying to tune in on our YouTube channel. We're going to start releasing the podcast also on YouTube. Uh, so that's something that I know Andrew's starting to do as of now. 
uh, along with some of our other uh, films we're going to be coming out with relatively soon as well. So, uh, again, check that out. Also, um, feel free to, again, reach out to us uh, if you're interested in becoming a Buck reporter for this fall. Again, we'll be able, we're going to start launching that either the last week or so of August or a couple first couple weeks of September. So if you're interested, you live in the Southeast and you're interested in, uh, in being a buck reporter uh, for this fall, kind of give us a little feedback of where you're hunting and, you know, kind of what you're doing. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or through our email uh, and just touch base with us and we'll get you in the lineup. Um, other than that, Andrew, do you have anything else you want to talk about or uh, anything else before we kind of turn this over? Uh, dude, I think that about covers it. Um, I want to thank Gabe for coming on. This is a, a really fun podcast to record, and I really appreciate him taking time to do it. So uh, we won't keep y'all any longer. So uh, here's our interview with the Southern Hunter, Mr. Gabe Tandy. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. Today we have a special guest. We got Mr. Gabe Tandy of the southern hunter youtube channel so gabe how are you doing man i'm doing great how you doing i'm living to tell about it jacob what's up heck yeah uh not much man just over here chilling i think this is gonna be a good episode so guys i appreciate everybody being on here uh gabe uh, again having you on uh but andrew yeah i've done uh i've been doing good so far man again it's it's friday so can't be more happy than this Gonna be scouting pretty hard this weekend, uh, so we ought to be able to find uh, some really, really good bucks. So that's that's the game plan, uh, Andrew. Uh, I mean, I know you've been you've been busy, but let's kind of jump into this episode uh, with Gabe. Uh, can't Andrew? I'll let you kind of take over and uh, kind of kick us off. All right. So Gabe, Gabe is a pretty unique guest because he is our youngest guest by far that we've had on. So, Gabe, why don't you start out by telling us how old you are and a little bit about what you do and your YouTube channel and everything. Yeah, so my name's Gabe Tandy. I'm 16 years old. live outside of Huntsville, Alabama. I'm a bow hunter, rifle hunter. I hunt deer, hogs, squirrels, uh, turkeys. I haven't killed a turkey yet. Missed a giant redhead in Tennessee, but disregard that. And um, We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, I um, have a YouTube channel called Southern Hunter. Make sure to go subscribe to me there. And you can also find me on Instagram at Southern Hunter Official. Awesome. Yeah, so I ran across you the other day when I was bumming around on YouTube trying to find something interesting to watch. And uh, <laughs> I ran across your channel, and I was I was really impressed, man, because I, I could tell you were young. I didn't know how old you were, but the, the quality mm-hmm. of the videos that you were producing was was pretty dang impressive and i know i watched uh i watched you kill a doe uh watched you kill that buck i saw you do that all day sit so oh my um <laughs> that those are fun <laughs> oh yeah tell me about it yeah, yeah Ga- well gabe another thing is I- i'm impressed with your uh instagram page uh i mean this is the quality of photos you produce and kind of your outlook on it is, is interesting and also just like the creativity and that's one thing i like to talk about a little bit today it's kind of like mm-hmm. your creative side when it comes to hunting and just social media, but also uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Kind of give our listeners a little better background about you, kind of how you got into hunting and just kind of your overall thoughts when it comes to uh, hunting in general. Yeah, I got into hunting probably when I was about 10 years old. One of my earliest memories of, if you will, hunting was uh, I built this little wooden tree stand thing 
about three feet off the ground, just off to the side of, of some woods back behind my house. And um, my goal of it was to shoot a squirrel or a rabbit with my Genesis bow, which is just like a little bow that uh, I used to compete with in Na uh, NASP, National Archery, in the schools program. It only was like a, a 20-poundage bow, and like I guess you could kill a squirrel with it, but for sure not ideal. And I remember sitting up in that wooden stand for maybe like 10 minutes and thinking to myself, man, hunting kind of sucks. Like, I just don't really like it. <laughs> like, I'm not shooting anything. What's going on? Um, come to find out later in life that it's called hunting for a reason, not killing. And um, that Christmas, I wanted to, to, to try to keep doing it. I wanted to, to kill a squirrel. That was kind of my goal. So that Christmas, I asked my parents for a pellet rifle, pellet gun, whatever, and um, they bought it for me. And after... I missed probably 50 squirrels with it. I finally shot my first squirrel, and then I, I was hooked on hunting. Awesome, man. I can really relate to that because I, I actually grew up squirrel hunting with my dad. We kind of – that was our thing. We were really bad at deer hunting, but we were good at squirrel <laughs> hunting, so it's kind of what we stuck to. And yeah. they got me a pellet gun one year, and, man, I spent I spent days – like in my backyard <laughs> trying to kill a squirrel and then I got the hang yeah. of it and man I was a stone cold killer with that pellet gun. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, that's that's awesome Gabe. Now uh now what kind of got you introduced to uh you know whether it was big game hunting and talking with deer or hogs or got into like any kind of other uh forms of hunting uh after you know kind of getting hooked on you know killing a squirrel with your pellet gun you know what was the next step for you? Well, I think it all comes down to accessibility. You know, around my house, I have a ton of deer. And uh, in South Alabama, you know, we have a bunch of hogs. So I wish I had elk around my house. That would be super dope, but I don't. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, you know, once I kind of graduated from squirrels, rabbit hunting is too hard. I still haven't killed a rabbit yet. And um, I was like, shoot, might as well try deer hunting. A lot of people around here deer hunt. So uh, I just talked to a, a guy from my church who has some property and who rifle hunts and my dad and I went out with him I think it was once or twice and on one of those maybe I think I think I went out with him once and on that hunt I brought my pellet gun and um, the entire time while we were trying to deer hunt I was shooting squirrels with my pellet gun and uh, at the end of the hunt we were both talking to each other wondering why we haven't seen any deer yet and we sat in one spot for like 20 minutes and then we were like, all right, no deer's coming here. So then we move and, you know, my dad's not a hunter. He was a Marine, but um, none of his, you know, people in his family are hunters and he's not a hunter. So ended up ending that hunt with um, putting all of our guns in the truck. And then as soon as we closed the car doors, I spotted like probably the seven or eight point giant buck. 150 yards away skirting the edge of this tree line we all bust out of the car open up the trunk get our guns out and by the time we've done that the buck's gone and we're all a little bit salty oh dude <laughs> i hear that man i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love talking to you on the phone the other day because a lot of your stories really remind me of like my upbringing and everything and uh but as far as you know getting into hunting through your family i guess uh you you have a pretty similar story to what jacob has uh so neither of your parents hunted so uh wasn't it your uncles i think you told me was were the ones who like really got you into it well ish and not ish like 
um, at the time when I first started kind of deer hunting, my uncle lived up in South Carolina. So him and I really didn't talk that much about hunting only and you know, family reunions and stuff. I kind of got into hunting by myself just because for some reason I got the, uh, my mom's blood, her, all the people on her side of the family are hunters. She's not really a hunter, uh, but I got her blood, uh, for hunting. And so, you know, no one really kind of like influenced me, if you will. I just kind of liked it. So I went out and did it. And of course found some people on, uh, on YouTube and on, on TV, you know, of course, Bone Collector and Levi Morgan and those type of guys. And, I saw what they were doing, and I'm like, man, I, I have to do that. It's just like I need to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, did you start out bow hunting, or, or did you have kind of a gradual transition? Like did you start out with a gun, kill a bunch of deer with it, and then go to a bow, or, or was it something else? Yeah, kind of. When I started hunt, like deer hunting, I think I was oh, – man, alive. I've been – I think this is like my fourth year going into like actually seriously hunting. So I probably started like when I saw that buck from the truck, I had to be 12 years old or so. And I started out rifle hunting. Um, but then after I saw that buck, I, I bought a, uh, a mission compound bow. I started hunting with that. I missed seven deer before it actually killed my first deer with a bow. And once I killed a deer with a bow, I'm like, this is by far better than rifle hunting and the next season i kept the bow in my hands i rifle hunted a few times but legit i kid you not every single time i went out with a rifle in youth season in november and then in december i shot a deer with it i shot a doe each time whenever i would go out with a rifle so i'm like all right we're putting down the gun it's way too easy to kill deer with this thing i'm only bow hunting so the rest of that year, I bow hunted, and then in the 2017-2018 deer season, I bow hunted just about the entire time. I think I took the gun out like twice, didn't kill anything with it, but um, after the 2017-2018 deer season, ended up killing two does and my first buck with a bow. Yeah, I watched that that buck video. That was that was pretty sweet, man. Seeing how hey, dude, I, pumped I, up you I, got. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I double-clicked the record button. I'm like, I'm so salty about that, man. I will never live that one down. Oh, the framing was perfect too, bro. Like, if if you were there, like, every single thing was perfect, bro. Except, except the record button. Except the most important thing, the record button. I know. Ah! Hey, man, I, when we get off here, I need to email you a video then. If you want to see something bad, me and Jacob went to Wyoming and we were mule deer hunting, okay? And we were filming everything, and we were, like, trying to get this, like, cool film going. And uh-huh. we I, we finally get on a deer. It's, like, the fourth day, 30 minutes to daylight, we get on a deer. Wow. I stalk this deer. He's got, like, the most – it's got – it's, like, the coolest stalking footage ever. I'm, like, creeping up with my backpack on one shoulder, and I got my rifle in the other hand, and the deer's up uh-huh. in the foreground on the hill, not paying attention. I, see I, see I lay down. Yeah. I get up over the pack. And then Jacob, like, just pans, and all you see is blue sky, and then you hear, No. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Oh, Dude, it, it, was, it, it was sad, to say the least. It was sad. I'm sure. Dude, oh, man. So Jacob just dropped off of our call, and he might join back in, but he just texted me and said that his internet shut off. So... <laughs> 
it's you and me solo right now, dude. So, uh, <clears throat> to kind of get things rolling right, in a well. different direction, I guess this is a good time to segue into uh, just people your age, man. You kind of mentioned some YouTube people, some TV people that kind of influenced you in your growth as a hunter. Um, I don't know if you can speak, you know, for your whole generation, but, you know, in your friend circle and the kind of people you hang around, what is the kind of stuff that people your age like to see? Like, do they like to see, like, a storyline kind of hunt, like, meat eater, or do they like to see more of, like, a... I hate to call it this, but like a highlight reel, like some other shows where, you know, you get like seven mature bucks killed in one episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for sure, like on YouTube, where most of my generation spend their time, not really on TV, I think TV hunting shows are kind of dying, to be honest, and online hunting shows are really growing, especially people like uh, Chris B and Sequin Productions and The Hunting Grounds. They produce really high quality online hunting videos and so they're really growing and um at least among my group of friends we all kind of prefer the the storyline hunt you know where it leads up to the climax of the kill and a lot of my buddies and myself included we all prefer the kind of cinematic videos uh, the slow motion the, the cool kill shot kind of the faster tempo music it just is more entertaining and, and let's be honest my generation we don't have a long uh you know we're not very patient I'm, I'm pretty patient but like you know a lot of a lot of kids my age aren't really patient so you know when we're doing those uh s- lower key storyline hunts those aren't really as popular but faster tempo storyline hunts are popular and um yeah i think that's, that's kind of like i don't know I, I yeah i can't speak for the entire generation but among my group of friends that's that's how we are you hear that, Parker McDonald? <laughs> Parker will laugh at that when he hears it, man. Parker Parker produces some really, really cool videos. You could check him out. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, that you know, I mean, you know it's a big issue. I'm sure you've heard it. You know, we got this big drop-off coming uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of people are aging out of hunting. And I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said that uh, outdoor television has kind of fallen by the wayside and digital mm-hmm. is really the new thing because, one, you don't have to pay some premium price, you know, to get these three channels out of, like, a 1,000. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I don't know. And I think guys who get to produce their own shows on YouTube and everything, yourself included, uh, have a lot more freedom to do what they want to do because you don't have a time restriction. You know, on a television show, you got 22 minutes and you have to fit everything into those 22 minutes. And mm-hmm. I guess it really restricts like the storytelling of it. But you know, yeah. digital, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to have a kill shot. You don't have to do this. Don't have to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I think you're exactly right, man. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, the Southern Hunter YouTube page, anybody listening should go check it out for sure because uh, yeah. you're making some high-quality stuff, dude. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, I try. So how did you – man, how did – I want to know how you got so good at editing your stuff because it is very impressive. And I'm about to be <laughs> buying stuff to do what you do. I'm probably going to get the same programs as you and everything. And I tell you right now, there's absolutely no way it's going to look as good as what you're doing. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks. Man, what what steps did you take to learn that stuff? You know, I to be honest, yeah, I, I kind of like I get this question a lot, especially on my Instagram. How do I take like such high quality photos? And everything I learn is on is, is from the internet, YouTube. 
uh, a big creator that I watch on YouTube is Peter McKinnon. He doesn't produce hunting videos. He produces vlogs and, and cinematic videos, and they're very, very high quality, and it teaches a lot of tutorials. And he uses the same editing program that I use, which is Adobe Premiere Pro CC. And so I can apply a lot of his tips with cinematic videos and apply them to hunting videos. So I'm combining you know, my favorite two things, which is creating high-quality cinematic content with hunting. And then you know, through that, I put out my YouTube videos and all my, my Instagram photos. So um, yeah, I mean, how I got into to doing this, when I was younger, I just kind of always loved making just these stupid home videos like one of my memories is uh when my aunt when my aunt came down from new york she was a photographer at the time and right next to our house back when we used to live up in tennessee there was construction work going on beside it and there's these big dirt piles on it and um her and i we grabbed our, our little video camera and we went out there and i had like this halloween stormtrooper costume on and to anyone watching from like a third person perspective seeing me running around those dirt piles and my aunt filming me would probably think we're loons um but i just kind of loved making those those videos so that quickly turned into me making stop motion animation videos where i would take like a photo of a lego figure and then I'd move his arm slightly, and then I'd take another photo, and I'd move him slightly, and I'd blend all those photos together and speed them up to where it looked like the Lego figure was actually moving. And um, did that for a while, and I kind of stopped doing it because I fell in love with hunting. And then I still wanted to make videos because I just loved doing it, and I started making uh, hunting videos. Yeah, two go together perfectly. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when, uh, when you're making videos and every, or not making, I'm sorry, when you're consuming videos, are you consuming anything like Western hunting? Uh, you mentioned elk earlier, so I'm guessing that you're probably a little interested. Reason I bring it up is because there's some really, really, really good YouTube pages that have to do a lot with elk hunting and, uh, just any kind of Western hunting. Uh, Sitka put out a great, great video. I think it's called The Linguists. Have you seen that? I have not. I watch... I've seen a few uh, Sitka videos. They're, like, they're the best videos on YouTube by far. I don't know if I've seen that particular video, though. Yeah, dude, it, it's a good one. It's definitely worth checking out. But, um, so, you know, most most people around where you live, you live around Huntsville, you, you have a decent amount of public land around you. Do you know Do you know anybody your age who takes advantage of that public land, or, or anybody your age or a little older, like maybe on up to eighteen or nineteen? Yeah, a lot of a lot of older kids, you know, eighteen and nineteen. Some of my, my older age friends, they do some, but I mean, honestly, public land hunting isn't doesn't get super popular until you get up into the age of like fifty to sixty year olds. I don't, I don't know of a lot of younger people, especially my age, that hunt public land. Well, why is that? Is it just you don't have to, or, or do you have like some, uh, some like negative stigma about it, like public land's terrible or whatever? I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both because yeah. out here in the country, a lot of the people that do hunt, they have family that owns land. So they don't really need to go to public lands to hunt, mm -hmm. you know, all the public lands around my house people are being pulled from Huntsville and some some of the bigger cities where they don't have private land to hunt. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think there is for sure a stigma around public land and you know, 
my parents are a little bit weary of letting me go onto public land, especially during like rifle season, because you don't know what kind of people will be out on public land. And while you know it's the hunting community, a lot of people are really good in it, good people. You just you know you, you just you can't fix stupid. Let's be real with ourselves. So <laughs> yeah, you know public lands. I think they are a little bit more dangerous, and no one likes competing with other people when they're trying to hunt for a big buck. Yeah, that's that's understandable. Uh, that's what I hear from a lot of people, man. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up hunting a, a hunting club. Like I'm sure you have hunting clubs up around where you are. Uh, I think you hunt on a family farm, though. You mentioned, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, yeah. So a hunting club, man, is, is a lot like public land, to be honest. Except it's like twelve hundred bucks a year <laughs> rather yeah. than seventeen. <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah. So uh, getting back to kind of your your age class of people you know like or let's say in your school okay mm-hmm. um what would you say like the general view of hunting is in your school like is it negative are there a lot of people who hate it don't understand it or is anybody is everyone pretty much on the same level with hunting well <laughs> i'm homeschooled <laughs> ah, but, gotcha. no, back to when i went to school back to when i went to school which was uh, up until seventh grade. Yeah, there was a lot of the people that I hung hung out with were, of course, hunters, you know, all my buddies. Um, But then I I would say, like, most of the school didn't really care about hunting because, you know, hunting is so prominent in my community. Everybody hunts, and so most people don't have a problem with hunting. But yeah, you have a few people that kind of despise hunters, and, you know, they they don't really like me too much because... You know, I'll post photos of me gutting a deer on on Instagram because it's real life. That's that's how things work, and um, you know they don't really take kindly to that too much. So you know, you, we get a little bit of everybody. Yeah, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Now, Gabe, I have a question for you. Uh, what, in your opinion, uh, first of all, interests you with hunting? This first off, and then second part, what interests people of your age or your age class? Uh, what would interest them to get into hunting? And, you know, what are your two answers to that? Yeah, so why I'm attracted to hunting, I I kind of like everything about it. I think the biggest thing I like is just being outside. I just love everything about it, the weather, the plants, the animals. And, you know, second part is, of course, seeing the animal that I'm hunting and filming it. And then third would have to be, you know, killing the animal and eating it. Um with other kids my age you asked uh, what how what was that what was the second question yeah so um you know what is something that would get more people your age into hunting you know that high school group i have a younger brother who's a senior this year in high school and you know him and all of his buddies are, are deeply involved with hunting uh they hunt quite a lot throughout their uh throughout the school year um it, you know what is something that for someone that maybe has not been hunting before uh what is something about hunting that might might make them uh, interested in getting into it? And what's really holding them back from doing that, you think? Something to get them interested in hunting. I think the biggest thing is seeing the animal that you're hunting. I knew that the the first deer that I saw and shot at, I was absolutely hooked on hunting. But before, I wasn't really as interested and wasn't willing to spend that much time in it. And some factors that prevent, you know, kids kids my age from getting into the outdoors has to be like accessibility you know having land to hunt and and having 
people you know in their lives to influence them to go down that path to hunt and to provide information to them um, but a lot of kids a lot of people I guess will get into hunting and they'll buy expensive tree stands and expensive clothing and high-end gun or bow and they'll just they'll quickly find out that they spent too much money on the sport and they don't really like it so you know get into hunting I think you should just kind of go out there with basic equipment figure out if you like it and then if you do invest more time and money into it and if you don't then I mean try to pursue something in the outdoors because we need you know we need to protect our public and private lands and you know we need to take care of this earth that God gave us yeah that's something I can totally agree with and that's exactly the answer I, I was looking for uh was the accessibility I mean I remember Back in high school, I'll say, thankfully, when I was in high school, I had uh, I went to a college preparatory boarding school, and our school actually owned 2,500 acres, and we actually got to hunt on that property, and actually there was a Whoa. lot of good deer, uh, so that so that was awesome. You know, I was you know get to with some that most people are not, but uh, that's definitely I think the uh, the one factor, the limiting factor for not just you know kids or not just people like in you know middle school, high school age, but also you know full grown adults. That's mm-hmm. one reason I you know I see a lot of people that really that they are interested in hunting, but like, I don't know where to start and I don't know where to hunt. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't own any property and they don't understand the whole aspect of public lands. I mean, where you live, you know, you, you have a few good management areas, you know, within, you know, drivable distance of you, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to hunt. But, you know, the thing is, you know, being, being, a uh, you know, say a kid that's, you know, 12, 13 years old that can't drive and say their parents don't hunt. Like in my situation, the only other way you're gonna be able to get into hunting would be either through friends or through family. And thankfully, family is what got me involved. Uh, my, my mom's brothers were the ones that kind of got me introduced to hunting. Uh, I went hunting for the first time at 10 years old with uh, one of my uncles and was hooked. I didn't kill my first deer, though, until I was 12. And it was just one of those things that, like you said, I think seeing the animal that you're hunting and understanding that you're pursuing that animal really does allow you to get hooked. Because it's one thing to go hunting. And to me, one of the, one of the worst things to go uh, or to happen to a new hunter is not having success at a you know, somewhat quick basis. Uh, if you go for a long time without having success, I think that really makes you not as confident and really lose interest in, in the, the sport of hunting. And some people don't like calling it sport, but the, the passion of hunting. And the one thing that kind of kept me involved was my uncles were very, uh, or still are very, uh, well-rounded in land management and just the whole aspect of deer hunting, not just, you know, you know, putting out corn in the preseason, putting up a trail camera and then hanging a stand, you know, they're tilling fields, they're brush hogging, they're running fires. And like, I think staying involved throughout the whole year really got me kind of, you know, kind of hooked on it before I even was able to get a deer. Uh, so that's, that's awesome here that, you know, you were able to get into it, but you know, that's one thing that we're definitely trying to bridge that gap because right now, uh, as, as you probably know, you know, hunter recruitment, uh, you know, us hunters are, are, we're losing a lot of us and we're not having very good retention holding on to hunters that we already have. And then also we're not doing very good on hunter recruitment, you know, getting new hunters out there. And that's a goal I made last year was to try to get, you know, so, you know, at least one guy interested in the outdoors. Now I was uh, able to get a, a coworker of mine. And I think that's one thing you ought to try to do. I mean, that's one thing I'd ask for you to do maybe this year is try to get one of your buddies that has never been hunting before, but maybe, I don't know if you have anyone like that in your life, and try to introduce them to hunting. Because I think that's one thing that really can pay dividends in the long run is, you know, showing them what you've learned in your, in your, in your time of hunting and your woodsmanship and kind of pass that down to someone else and kind of keep working with that. Cause that's my goal for this year. I think everyone's goal to listen to this podcast. That's what we need to try to do for this year is really try to bring someone new into our lives or new into the hunt and new into the, the, the whole, 
uh, passion of hunting and get them kind of hooked on that because that's the, that's the number one thing to help us grow. But Gabe, I, I do, uh, I appreciate that answer. Now, again, I was kind of a little long wind on that, but it's something I'm very passionate about, but you know, Gabe, when, when it comes to hunting, uh, let's talk about some of your goals. Okay. Cause I mean, I think as hunters, we all have goals. We all have mindsets for, you know, where we want to be, what we want to do, what we want to harvest and this and that, what we want to accomplish. So Gabe, let's, let's first, I would like to talk about just a little bit, uh, you know, which, what is your kind of goals or what are you kind of looking for for this year? Uh, and, and then after that, I, I've got another question I'd like to ask you. Yeah. So goals for this upcoming deer season is I, I think kind of my biggest goal is to shoot more deer with my bow, uh, more specifically bucks. I know I'm, I'm going to try to go up to Tennessee here in, in middle of August to hunt velvet bucks. I'm going to try my hardest to get up there and hunt and um, just try to create high quality hunting videos that I can put out on YouTube. And um, yeah, hopefully through that, help get others into the outdoors. And, um, you know, goals wise, those are those are my goals. And um, goals are to hopefully create a company, create a brand that keeps growing and hopefully I'll be able to do it for a living. So, you know, instead of working a nine to five job, I can go out in the morning and uh, work on property and and hunt deer so that's that's my goal that's a good goal to have buddy that's a good goal to have <laughs> yeah no you're right about that and that's i think you know you're starting out the good thing is you're starting out at, a, at an age where you can really kind of grow your brain name in the age of social media it's amazing on what you can accomplish at that uh especially starting early like that i mean i know i know a lot of guys in their you know 30s and 40s that wish they could have done that you know wish they had the technology and what we have at our fingertips now you know, back, you know, 20 years ago. Um, sure. so, so you, you definitely have the platform for that. And I think you can truly grow that. But another question I have for you, I, I want you to talk about what, what, what is a dream hunt of yours? What is something that you truly want to do that you may think is maybe, uh, you know, maybe either out of the ordinary or something that, you know, might be what you might think would be hard to attain. Oh, for sure. Going to New Zealand and hunting red stags with a bow. That's like dream hunt above everything else and i will obtain it before i die i know i will that's the spirit with that attitude you will <laughs> no, that's awesome i mean new zealand is definitely high on the list for me as well i mean uh, there's definitely a couple different continents uh, i'd like to go hunt on and i think going down to new zealand and then also go visiting australia at the same time i think would be an absolute blast and it's one of those things that i mean as you probably could imagine if you've done any kind of list research on it you know it's, it's you know, the logistics are very high, but that's definitely something you can plan out and uh, probably definitely make that happen. Probably not as long as you think it would take you to get there, but that's awesome. Um, I know one thing I want to do definitely is uh, I want to go to Alaska a couple different times. Uh, I want, I'd want i love to go on a, uh, we're going to look at going on a caribou hunt and I'm kind of looking out, so doing a, a, a Kodiak black bear hunt or around Kodiak Island. Um, awesome. You know, definitely, of course, you know, moose is high on the list too, but that, that's one of those things to me. I think moose would be one of the hardest things to hunt along with, you know, so, some of your different, uh, sheep and, uh, you know, mountain goat, uh, species, uh, moose would be probably one of the hardest ones to be able to, to go on just logistically wise. But yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I love talking to, you know, younger guys about, you know, what do you, what's some of your goals for like long-term for hunting? Cause I think that's one thing that really keeps you excited for the long run is cause you know, whitetails are awesome. I actually love hunting whitetails, but it's awesome to branch out and do something different and kind of do something maybe, uh, 
maybe something that's not as common as you can maybe think. You know, like us going to Wyoming last year, that's something that, you know, not me and my buddies, actually really none of my buddies except for maybe one or two, could say they've done something like that going out west on a hunt. And, uh, you know, definitely I think New Zealand would be a freaking blast. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, and dude, yeah. that stuff, it, it makes you a better hunter too. But uh, mm-hmm. kind of getting back to, you know, the south and everything, um, Gabe, when you, when you like, got really heavy into deer hunting – did did your other uh, pursuits kind of fall off? Like, do you go after doves? Do you go after squirrels? Or is it just deer now? <laughs> yeah, squirrels don't hunt squirrels anymore at all. Uh, but basically, any kind of hunting I can do, I do it. You know, when, this year I'm going to try to do that velvet buck hunt. And then dove season up here in northern Alabama opens September 15th, I'm pretty sure. And then squirrel and rabbit season opens up. And then after that, it's 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 deer season um but yeah whatever i can hunt whenever i can hunt i uh i try to go for it do you have any opportunities for hogs around you about two hours south of me i think around the birmingham area there's hogs but like in my immediate surroundings no there's not really too many hogs Eh, there's not too many around birmingham you go around you go around centerville and tuscaloosa you'll find some but there's not there's really not any around, or at least where I'm used to around Birmingham, Shelby County. Yeah. Well, I, I, I well Andrew, uh, Andrew, I was gonna say I, I'll debate that because uh, I know some that lives. For anyone, any of our uh, Birmingham or any of our uh, Alabama listeners, if you know where um, uh, Vestavia Hills is, uh, I know some that lives there that actually has a crap ton of hogs in their backyard, uh, feral hogs. So, Andrew, I will debate you on that, and I've actually seen him kill one. <laughs> so, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, but uh, but yeah, no, dude, hogs are freaking a blast. But sorry to interrupt you. I just had to, I had to poke that one in there. I'm about to go. <laughs> Yeah, for try sure. and shoot a hog in Georgia pretty soon. Or here. Ooh. I don't know. I might go out I might go out to the national forest and see if I can stick a pig. I'd really like to kill one with my bow. Or with a spear. Oh, there you go. There you go. I think <laughs> I'm not actually I think Alabama, as of this year in the new uh digest, outlawed spears as that, that is correct. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which hmm. is, I don't They outlawed spear hunting but uh allowed baiting. No, uh, no, the baiting thing didn't go through. I did it not? Nope. Not in Alabama. The Georgia one did, I believe, which if I'm wrong about that, someone from Georgia please chime in. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I thought I read something. Yeah, but... with with Alabama, pretty much every year they they try to bring a baiting bill forward and it, yeah. it always passes, you know, the house or whatever and then it never gets any farther. I don't know why. But well, that gum, <laughs> man! I'm my hopes up, bro. I thought I remember reading someone somewhere, and it said that it went through. Yeah, man, go but... show up at Walmart, and be like, give me the whole pallet. I well, know, hey. right? I, they said no, you get, had to buy well, like a sixteen dollar permit or something for it. Now, hey, Gabe, uh, what part of uh, or what region of Tennessee are you gonna be hunting for that velvet hunt? I don't, I don't remember what county it is, but um, the hunting club is middle of Tennessee. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to be hunting Middle Tennessee as well um, for that velvet buck hunt, which I'll tell you one thing that I'm kind of worried because I found some pretty good bucks now, uh, spotted some pretty good bucks on public land, uh, just glassing. And I'm kind of worried that somebody that maybe, maybe I don't know if they're well-educated, just didn't pay attention, they're going to think that that velvet buck hunt's also for public land, which it's not. 
And I got a feeling yeah. there's going to be some uh, legit tickets being written up uh, on the 24th, 25th, and 26th <laughs> of August. <laughs> so if we have oh, any man. listeners out there that's looking to hunt public land in Tennessee, don't do it during that time because you will get a ticket. And yes. uh, that that will not be good at all. So, anyways, I'd, I'd be very, I'd be very upset if someone killed one of these bucks I found, especially that big one, Andrew. Oh man, I'd be torn up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to have a run in with Mister Green Jeans. That's oh for sure. man. Oh. Yeah. Well, not just the, oh man, yeah, but yeah. So that's awesome, Gabe. You're gonna be able to do that. I'm excited about it. I don't know about you, but I, I've never ever imagined my entire life I'd be hunting whitetails in August. Uh, mule deer, yes, <laughs> but not whitetails. So. It's going to be an awesome experience, except, dude, it's going to be miserable. I mean, you know it's going to be it's going to be 90 degrees. It's going to be mosquitoes for days. I'm going to have two thermocells rocking, uh, <laughs> long sleeves. I, I don't know. I might be up there shirtless. Who knows? We'll, we'll see what's going on. Uh, Game Wart walked up on me. He, I don't know. He might rock me up for a in uh, public indecency because uh, it, it might get that hot. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you don't know, you don't know man. I, I mean, go swim the scouting grease. here lately, man. Yeah. Like, I'll be out on the National Forest, and I'll get way out there, and I'll start walking back, and I'll have to walk through a cutover. I'm like, I ain't doing this. And I'll, I'll take my shirt off and put it in the backpack. I look like the biggest hillbilly ever. <laughs> I look like a hillbilly with nice pants because I'm wearing Sitka pants with <laughs> no ah, shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now, Gabe, uh, again, I don't know if Andrew touched on this because uh, of some of my technical difficulties. Uh, but one thing I wanted to talk to you about real quick was, uh, you know, film you filming. Like, first of all, I was going to ask, uh, you know, with you being filming or you filming, what really was the, the drive behind self-filming? I already covered it. Man. Yeah, I'm that's right. Missed your I'm opportunity, dude. Man, I tell you what, my internet connection up here is crap. So when it, it drops me off, man. I don't know what's going on, but uh, no, Gabe. But uh, you know, this, well, just another thing I had in mind. You know, for, for where you're hunting and kind of your background. You know, one thing that kind of uh, got you fired up, or who, who was really that got you fired up about just whitetail hunting in general? Was it that uh, friend that let you go hunt at his place? I I honestly don't. I can't put my finger on what like. I guess I, I kind of can. Mm-hmm. What got me fired up about whitetail hunting is I, I wanted to shoot a deer just kind of for fun, you know, to say I've shot a deer before. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of course we'd use the meat. I wouldn't just shoot it just to shoot it. And, um, yeah, when I went out hunting with my friend and I saw that, that big buck, I decided to sit on literally like my pool deck right behind my house. And we had deer <laughs> coming right behind it, probably 70, 80 yards from it every morning so i remember just putting up a chair getting the uh 308 setting it on the the side of the pool deck and believe it or not the first light comes up and there's two does standing out there at 80 yards and uh shoot one of the does unfortunately i I made a bad shot on it um yeah first deer i shoot at i make a bad shot and uh, she runs off and we never find her no blood no nothing and we had i think 10 people out on 28 well on like 15 acres of property searching the entire thing never found her never found any blood so it was, it was weird but mm. yeah after that I, I was totally hooked well it seems like you're extremely independent especially for your age and that's one thing that's, that's very interesting because like you know everyone i've ever talked to that's you know around your age it always seems like they had you know a family member that was very into hunting that kind of just kind of brought them along and kind of got them immersed in it and you know sooner or later they kind of got hooked but what it seems like, what it seems like for you, it seems like you kind of just had the self drive and you just wanted to try it. Uh, if if I'm correct with that saying, 
Yeah, yeah. I I I think you're correct. Yes. Well, I mean, that's that's something that's interesting. Again, just because uh, I, I've never really met really anyone that had that uh, that passion for it. Uh, that just kind of just like felt like I want to do this. I really want to do this. Uh, at least that's just been my experience. I'm sure there's people listening now that you know that was probably their mindset going into hunting. But you know, that's really cool to have someone like that. And it's really, you know, that's that's one good thing that I see with the hunting. You guess you could say the hunting industry or just hunting in general is finding people like that that's had the self drive to really get involved and didn't let you know you know you know bad gun bad shots on deer and this and that kind of slow them down and kind of you know turn them off from hunting because I've met people that went hunting one time I actually have a cousin that did this uh, she went hunting one time shot a doe harvested doe but it wasn't the prettiest shot and she's kind of turned off from hunting like she has nothing against hunting but she's like yeah I don't she like never wants to go again and this and that. Because uh, maybe it wasn't like the greatest experience for her, uh, so, so that's you know again you had it seems like you had a good experience and you really have a good foothold for what you want to do you know going forward. Now one thing I want to talk to you is about your branding. Now I'm I'm interested in this, you know kind of what is your what is your goals or what is your uh, g- goals for just branding yourself and, and branding uh, you know Southern Hunter uh, going forward. Well, I think my end goal is i touched on it earlier to be able to hunt for a living and to be able to you know do social media and make videos on the internet um and have that be my living but southern hunter isn't the only avenue i'm looking like towards i i love hunting and i love making hunting videos but i also love making just about any other kind of videos i also have uh, another youtube channel which is super small not near as, as big as uh, southern hunter but it's called gabe tanny productions and i also have an instagram page of gabe tanny productions and that's basically where I, uh, I do client work, and on my YouTube channel, I post travel films. Like, my most recent one was my family's trip to Disney World. And in those kind of YouTube videos, I'm not really advertising those for for clients, for, you know, for client work. I, I advertise my Southern Hunter videos as my client work because I can produce more of those. Um, but with my Gabe Tanny Productions videos. I just enjoy making those because those take a lot of the cinematic aspects of filmmaking. And once I learn those and put those into Gabe Tanny Productions YouTube videos, I can also apply them to Southern Hunter videos. So, you know, not only do I have a goal of, you know, like my my dream goal is to be able to hunt and do social media for Southern Hunter for a living, but on the side if, you know, if Southern Hunter doesn't take off as much as I would like it to, also have my production company to where you know companies would hire me to make commercials for them. I made a commercial for AG Composites, which semi cheating, not really cheating, but it's my dad's company. He makes um, high end uh, carbon fiber composite rifle stocks, and uh, I made a commercial for them. And it's it's got a lot of plays on Facebook, and it was like pat myself on the back. It was a super dope video. Like it turned out <laughs> awesome, man. And um, I got paid for that and I, I handle all their uh, their production for, for his company. So I'm getting paid for that and I hope to hopefully branch off and have other companies asking me to just shoot whatever it might be, whether it be weddings or you know commercials for a restaurant or do portrait photography for seniors. You know Anything with a camera in my hands, I'm all over regardless of, of what it is. Yeah, Gabe, that is absolutely awesome. And, and to, I want to talk a little bit more about your dad's business. I'm kind of interested now. He makes carbon fiber stocks for rifles, oh, like precision boy. rifles. Here comes a tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. We make um, rifle stocks for Bagara, Barrett, and uh, 
man, we make we make a few others, but uh, I don't remember the other companies. But yeah, we have models for the uh, Remington 700s, and um, I actually have a stock on on my Remington 700 243 that uh, that I use. But yeah, all of them are made with um, carbon fiber. We have I think 15, 16 employees, and uh, we we make our stocks right behind my house in our shop. Okay, that is that is too cool. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a big rifle fanatic, and uh, ooh, we're gonna have to talk afterwards. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Not gonna lie, that's that that's pretty cool. I, I'm just saying, like that is that is absolutely awesome. I'm not gonna lie. I think um, which that that's not really gunsmithing, but you're making components for that, and you know, carbon fiber, you know, stocks. That I mean, that would be the coolest custom rifle ever, especially oh, make it for. Especially, I, I just got a, I just bought a Bagar uh, HMR that's in six five Creedmoor. Uh, mm. so, so that's too cool. Um, awesome. Well, I, I'm excited now. <laughs> yeah, we can give you a friends and family discount, bro. Oh, I hear that. Now, now I got to ask with your dad's company, is that more commercial side or do, do they actually make, would they make stocks for individuals? I, I, like, as of now, we make rifle stocks for, for big companies. Okay. Okay. But I can't, I can't, like, legally i can't say if we're gonna keep doing that gotcha gotcha okay well that's one thing i was wondering is if y'all were just straight commercial uh you know wholesale to you know manufacturers so that that's interesting that's cool i never even heard of that before uh, especially you know y'all being outside of you know huntsville out there that's that is too cool uh for sure uh but before we uh get too deep on rifles because i don't know i don't know if our listeners want me to go into that because uh i can get <laughs> i can get kind of snobby going to talking about specs on rifles but uh uh-huh. andrew Andrew, do you have uh, do you have anything else that uh, you would like to touch on? Yeah. Um, so another question I got just regarding uh, hunting and everything. With you being as young as you are, Gabe, uh, when when I was your age, I was having like every year I was having like big revelations. It's like after the season, I'd look back and I'd be like, oh my gosh, if I had just done this differently, and then this and that. You know, over the years, I kept getting better and better. Um, mm-hmm. I guess uh, what I'm getting at is what are some things that you've been improving on? Like what are some, uh, some things you've, I guess, fixed in your strategies, some revelations you've had in your growth as a hunter? Yeah. Um, I think probably the, the biggest thing for me was forcing myself to not hunt spots just because they look good. Like sitting in a tree stand, you know, You'll put up a tree stand and you'll kind of look around and be like, okay, this is a pretty cool spot. But you get up into the tree stand and you're just like, oh man, this this feels right. Like something about it is good. But you sit in the, the, that stand a few times and nothing ever happens. So like one of my things I'm forcing myself to do moving forward is if I sit in a stand a few times and I have cameras running around it and I don't really see any deer that I want to go after move that stand regardless of like how good it looks on video or how how good it feels you know i I need to go to the deer and focus on the deer hunting aspect of of my brand my job or whatever and not focus on like the photos and the video aspect that is a hard lesson to learn man i mean with every aspect like with deer hunting and back when i was in high school i'd trap and uh tan animal skins like i'd trap coyotes and coons and everything and that's especially big with trapping is like you'll find a spot and you're like oh man this is it this is the spot Mm because it looks cool or you can just picture like a coyote coming through 
And same yeah. thing with deer hunting, man. Like to, today, I was scouting, and I come up on this this big, just gorgeous white oak flat. Just nothing but white oak trees. They're all loaded down. It's perfect. It's on top of a ridge. It's flat, so the wind will be consistent. But you know, upon further scouting, you know the the good spot where I really want to be is about 200 yards further in down by the marsh, you know, where they're close yeah. to where they're bedding. Uh, that's a hard lesson to learn, dude. That that's awesome that that you're having those revelations kind of on your own like that. I can I can really mm-hmm. relate to it, brother. Yep, and another revelation is with this year last year what I did is I would do semi life hunts. So I'd go on a hunt and I'd want to make it into a YouTube video. I'd make it into a YouTube video and I'd put it out on YouTube. However, this year I'm going to actually structure my hunts slightly different i'm going to make it like season one of southern hunter episode one episode two episode three yada 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 where i'm going to film my entire season not release an episode of like the actual season part i'm still going to be releasing episodes throughout deer season of little hunts that you know my hunts that i don't think are worthy enough for season one and then my buddies hunts because i film a lot of my friends and them hunting and so I'll be releasing their hunt. So I'll still be putting out a lot of content during deer season, but I'm going to reserve like the gold stuff, you know, the, the prime footage until after deer season to where I can edit it all up and make it look super bomb and then put it out in, in different episodes. Okay. That sounds pretty cool, dude. I, I'm, I'm eager to see where you take that, man. Cause the stuff you're putting out now is pretty good, but, uh, having like that kind of structure to it i think will add a lot i think i think it'll be great i'm i am i'm still learning (laughs) scratching the surface now (laughs) well you made a big scratch i'll tell you that because it's high quality well i was just gonna say gabe uh first of all you can tell you know me and andrew are very laid back we're pretty unprofessional as you can tell (laughs) so (laughs) we're like to have a good time man i've had an absolute blast talking to you and kind of hearing a little bit more about you and your family and again kind of what got you into hunting and also just your production side of everything Uh, i think that you have a really bright future ahead and just legit keep your head down work hard and put all your effort into your work in school get through school and uh just look up in four or five years and see where you're at because i think you'll be doing big things for sure thank you thank you amen to that and yeah man i can't say enough good things uh honestly you're really impressive man uh for somebody your age you're very mature and uh i think that you're a good ambassador for hunting in general and i i will say like not trying to like lecture you but i'll give you a little bit of advice um and, I like advice. And, you know, anybody anybody who has a platform, whether it's us on this podcast, you with your YouTube channel, other podcasts, Carbon TV, anything like that, you are an ambassador for the sport of hunting. And when people look at at what you put out, you're, you're the face of hunting for that particular person. So if somebody who's maybe lukewarm about hunting or someone who's not interested in it or even just a, a total non-hunter – runs across one of your videos always remember that you are the face of hunting to them and that mm-hmm. you know you got to be an ambassador for the sport you know you got you got to represent what we all love in a good light for not only the good of hunters everywhere but for the good of the conservation dollars that that we put in with our license sales and for all the all the things that hunters do for animals whether it be like i said license sales or your own habitat management work you do on your place you know we're the, we're the backbone of all that stuff in this country, and being being where you are right now, and where I think you're gonna go, I think you're gonna do big things, and 
Like, just always remember that that you are the face of hunting to whoever is watching your stuff, man. But that being said, mm-hmm. you're doing a great job, buddy. Keep it up. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I will be a great ambassador. I believe it. Um, so to end on a lighter note, I guess, Gabe, why don't you tell us uh, like a weird or unique hunting story you got just off the top of your head? Like if you got something that's just kind of funny or interesting or or whatever, throw it out there and we'll end with that. All right. So yeah, kind of, okay, hunting story. Yeah, back in December of 2015, I think it was 2015, somewhere. It, it was a while ago, but I still remember it. Plain as day, I was sitting between two soybean fields in this, separating the soybean fields. They were cut. Separating them was just some trees, and you'd have like small clusters of brush and of trees along the way. And this was my first season kind of bow hunting. You know, I, I'd previously just got my bow, and so I was trying it out, trying to get a deer with my bow. So I'm sitting there in this little small cluster of trees and it's a beautiful day i'm looking out i'm actually facing to the west to the east and i look over to the north over my left shoulder and i see this giant half rack buck standing in this in the middle of this open cut soybean field and my first like my heart stopped as soon as i saw him and then i started thinking to myself man is this is this deer an idiot because this area is heavily (laughs) hunted it's December and he's standing in an open soybean field but then I notice he's a half rack buck one of his antlers has already been shed and it's in December it's it's super weird and he's looking over towards my direction I think he he kind of knows something's up but he, he just can't really put an antler on it so he drops his head into the soybeans starts looking for some pods that might have been left and uh, he starts walking to the east parallel to me probably I don't know 70 80 yards away from me and keep in mind, I am a newbie hunter, and I believed that I was the best hunter out there and I could stalk deer and kill them, like in <laughs> video games and in the movies. So this guy's moving away from me. I'm like, all right, Gabe, he's not going to come towards you. you got to go to him. And I'm like, heck yeah, man, let's do it. Stand up, <laughs> grab my bow, grab my quiver, slap it on the side of my bow. I go off for him, man. So I'm skirting the edge of this tree line, and I'm watching this buck. And he's feeding, he's feeding. He doesn't see me. I'm a professional, remember? And he goes into this tiny clump well, it's actually like a medium to large clump of trees uh, when considering the, the trees that I was just sitting in. He goes in there and I lose sight of him. So I go in super stealth mode. I'm walking super, super silently. I'm, I'm kind of searching in that timber, looking for something. And I see just a flash of a white antler. And then I hear, <laughs> he blows, sprints off through the field. And I've never seen that buck since. And I've scattered that property for two years now. Never seen him since. And Oh, I cried myself to sleep that night. <laughs> Man, I've got stories like that. That's awesome. That's it. That's that's the beauty of hunting, though, is something like that. You know, you didn't end up with a kill, but it's still one of your more memorable hunts, you know, and you still got that memory. Oh, oh for sure, yeah. Yeah, if we got them every time, it'd be boring, I guess. Yeah, it would be. They, it, Like I said, they call it hunting for a reason, not killing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, Jacob? Any concluders? Uh, no, I mean, not not much. I mean, Gabe, again, I've had uh, – it's been a pleasure to speak with you, man. Uh, definitely going to stay in touch, especially through this fall. Definitely will need to have you on for the uh, the Buck Report. Uh, it's another program we'll be doing for this fall. 
but other than that, Gabe, no, I absolutely appreciate speaking with you, man. Definitely just uh, work hard, stay humble, and uh, just have a great fall, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, and hope that y'all shoot some giant bucks this upcoming season as well. We're going to try. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks for the pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next Monday. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right, giving you a heads up here, so go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.